Hello, 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 everyone. It's lovely to see all of you. Welcome back to our six-week Skillful Living teaching series. I am so excited to be sharing this again with everybody. Of course, my name is Venerable Tarpa. And uh, before we begin, let's take a moment, as usual, to appreciate our handsome community gathered here today. Today, I feel fortunate to, be a, to sit as a member of this kind community in the safety and security of like-minded friends, sharing this present moment with others dedicated to the cultivation of goodness. Today, I'm grateful for the direction and support that this community provides, a community worthy of my time and commitment, a community where my efforts have meaning, purpose, and are appreciated. Today, I'm thankful for this community of awakening, a place to gain the knowledge and skills to improve my life, a family, a home, and a sanctuary for all of us seeking refuge from the storm. And let's remember, as conscientious practitioners, we must recognize our responsibility to the world, to strive to live skillfully while helping others to do the same to strive to live in balance and harmony with nature and others, to strive to gain mastery over our minds and embody our true benevolent nature, to expand our hearts and minds, transcending our shared human limitations, to not intentionally harm sentient life or our planet, to maturely accept and embrace the reality of our situation while striving to improve it. Again, welcome back to our program. This is our first week of classes, and today we're on lesson two of our six-week Skillful Living teaching series. In today's class, we're going to be discussing cultivating goodness. So uh, this is our first practice class of the series. I really like the practice classes. The the study classes on Sunday, of course, are very important. We have to understand the topic. We have to go through all of that, give everybody a pretty good understanding of everything. But to me, the fun really begins when we, when we take that knowledge and we put it into practice. So um, we're going we're gonna to study some practices today, and we're going to, together, we're going to practice them throughout the week. And what's really exciting for me is to watch the practice, the results of the practice that slowly as the week moves on, people post lovely uh, messages on the message boards uh, talking about the insights they have or improvements they have. So it makes these really fun. I, I want to remind everybody that the, uh, the Buddhist path and especially the skillful living path is an incremental path, meaning we're not working hard and then hope that, oh, at the end of six weeks, I'll get somewhere and I'll be somewhere. That's not what we do here. It's incremental. Everything is built upon the last class. So we're slowly improving, understanding the material, but you should start to see benefit right away. I'm hoping that the first week of classes would will really make an impact on your life, especially cultivation of goodness. I mean, how could it not? But each week, we're hoping to get deeper and deeper and to get more of the result that you're hoping for, right? And what this practice, uh, what this program does is uh, it gives us, we fill up your toolbox of skills. 
Um, so Buddhism always has this idea that only you can awaken yourself. You know? The Buddhists have a, a lovely saying that says, uh, the Buddhists can't wash away sin with water. They can't heal with their hands. They can't pass on the realization to others. The only thing Buddhists can do is teach the nature of reality, right? Is to teach us about life, teach us about ourselves. And so each person has to awaken themselves. In this program, we're going to supply you with a whole bunch of really cool skills and techniques and methods to put into your uh, spiritual toolbox. And then you'll decide for yourself which tools are, are more, more, most advantageous for yourself, which ones you really like that seem to be ripening your mind stream. Um, <clears throat> in this practice, and generally in Buddhism, we don't suppress negative negative qualities of ourselves. We don't suppress negative uh, uh, views or behaviors. Instead, we transcend them. Um, so, uh, you know, often there'll be advice given, uh, at least in the, in the last couple of decades from psychology, that that you should never uh, suppress your uh, negative aspects of ourselves, but whether it's greed, anger, whatever. And the idea is to find a healthy outlet for that, you know, to find a healthy outlet for your anger. And of course, this led to hairy men in the woods together screaming at trees and dancing around the fire. I forget what they called it. It was a, a really strange idea, but Buddhism doesn't believe in that. Because Buddhism believes that we're we're uh, we're habitual beings, we're we're beings of of habit, right? Creatures creatures of habit, and the idea is even if you're expressing a negative quality like anger, uh, it, and you believe it's in a healthy way, you're still keeping the habit alive, right? You're still feeding into the habit. So instead, we we transcend these qualities, and so it's transcendence not suppression. And how do we transcend it? The very first thing is through understanding. We look at these qualities, we'll take anger, we look at anger, we study it, we read about it, we meditate on it, we try to understand every aspect of it, including experientially. When I'm angry, where do I feel it, my, feel it in my body? What are the what are the things that trigger my anger? What what uh, helps me to let go of my anger? So we learn everything about it, and through that wisdom, we're able to transcend it. And through this wisdom, we deal with anger at its root level, and and which is is the only way to really move past it. So again. In this program, everything is transcendence, not suppression, right? Um, the cold, uh, so in this class, uh, we're going to learn all about cultivating goodness. I have some awesome practices for you, and uh, we're going to talk just a little bit about this. So um, uh, cultivating uh, goodness and positive atti attitudes, uh, for the Buddha, uh, this was front and center. We mentioned it yesterday. To the Buddha, this is called uh, what's to be cultivated and what is to be abandoned. And uh, the, the Buddha uh, wants to abandon. In this sense, I think transcend is a better word, but in the scriptures, they use the word abandon to transcend these negative qualities and move towards these qualities of goodness. 
Um, <clears throat> in a lot of ways, we call this, this pertains to the Buddha's middle way path. So the Buddha's teachings are referred to as the middle way path because they're the middle between um, austerity and and uh, or let's say uh, let's say self punishment and and uh, self indulgence, right? It's the middle way between philosophical views. It's the middle way uh, between extreme views. Um, <clears throat> The Buddha saw uh, goodness also as uh, an antidote, or more precisely, especially in the Mahayana school, we use goodness in a, in a unique way as an antidote. And um, it works on the premise that, and you'll hear us mention this uh, throughout the series, that, that the mind can only focus on one thing at a time. And although our senses can work in tandem, you can you can listen and watch a movie. You can smell and eat food. Uh, the mind doesn't have this capability. The mind can only entertain one concept or idea at a time. And there's a lot of simple things you can do to, to try to prove this. One of them is to try to count to 10 and say the alphabet at the same time. You know, you're not, unless you pull some kind of a funny little trick, the mind's just not capable of it. Your mind can do one thing or another. So Buddhism takes advantage of this. And the idea as goodness as an, as an antidote is that uh, while we're focused on goodness, the mind isn't focused on negativity, isn't focused on malevolence, right? So, and that if the mind is thinking about non-virtue or malevolence, um, we can change our mind, we can focus on something good, and we can use it as a temporary antidote. Of course, this isn't transcending. These are used as temporary antidotes. But you can get in the habit of having positive uh, thoughts in your mind. And there's a, great, there's a great quote that I really like in the book from Stephen Parton. Intentionally focusing on positive mental qualities, emotions, intentions, and thought can actually wire our minds to be more positive and to mimic or possess healthier positive states of mind. Whereas complaining and focusing on negative feelings, intentions, etc., wires our mind to be more negative, angry, depressed, pessimistic, and physically and mentally more unhealthy. It comes from a great book called The Science of Happiness. So <clears throat> that's definitely the, the, uh, the uh, view of uh, secular Buddhism. Oh, I'm sorry, of uh, SPT, that we, we believe that uh, goodness is this wondrous direction that we can use to move towards. Goodness is the path to clarity. Goodness is the path to awakening and enlightening. And uh, we're going to learn more about that in next week's class in the, in the three aspects or the threefold training. Um, <clears throat> so yesterday we mentioned the, the uh, four expressions of goodness. And this is an SBT thing. And I posted it yesterday, but I, I want to do a better job of it. Uh, so the, the, I call this the four expressions of goodness, soft and beautiful thought, soft and beautiful speech, soft and beautiful behavior, 
and soft and beautiful action. Uh, the reason why I incorporate the word soft in this is because uh, later in the Skillful Living series, we have uh, a chapter on style and, and, uh, and, and this quality of soft. To us, soft represents gentleness and kindness and compassion, goodness, and also skillfulness. You know, to be soft and be able to, to be skillful in life is a, is a beautiful thing. So I added it to this. Now, uh, you might uh, ask, what's the difference between the last two, behavior and action? Behavior is how you are in the world. It's your being, right? Behavior is, is uh, whether you're anxious, whether you're sarcastic. Uh, it's the way you hold yourself in the world right? The way, you know, uh, are you slunched over in a sloppy way uh, at a table over here looking kind of shabby? Or are you holding yourself up in a beautiful way, right? So beautiful behavior is holding yourself in a beautiful way in the world. It's the way you walk down the street. Instead of mumbling and looking at your feet and thinking about all the things you have to do in the day. It's being aware of your behavior, lifting up your head, looking at the beautiful things around you and, and carrying yourself down the street in a beautiful way. Where action is really about the things that we do, right? The things, the intentional uh, actions that we carry out. So that's the difference between those. Um, <clears throat> To me, this is such a beautiful practice, and uh, it's kind of a shortcut for all the various vows that we take. <clears throat> As a monk um, with SBT, I, I carry 112 vows a day. And for me, it's so easy just to practice them all through this, that it, as long as I'm practicing this, it's like all my vows kind of take care of themselves. So to me, this is an exceptional practice. And as, as you can imagine, it's pretty straightforward, but I wouldn't say necessarily easy. And I think, I think you start with the last one. You start with, with action. I think that's the easiest one. Behavior takes a little bit more mindfulness to kind of keep an eye on. Speech is often a difficult one. Beautiful, beautiful speech because we get angry or we're in a habit of using foul language. Uh, we're in a habit of talking people in certain ways. But then thought is by far the most challenging to, to, to have a, 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 a default mindset that kind of focuses on beautiful thought all the time. So anyways, this is going to be one of our practices for the day. I wanted to share that with you. Um, what do we got next? And <clears throat> the next thing we have is uh, something called the four immeasurables. And I have a image for this as well. This is very popular in Buddhism. And it's, uh, it's often, or it's traditionally known as the Brahma Viharas. Um, and... Uh, in English, they usually translate them as the four immeasurables. So the four immeasurables are loving kindness, compassion, empathetic joy, and equanimity. And these are supposed to be the, the, the basis for practicing goodness in Buddhism. And let's talk, take a quick look at how they're defined. Loving kindness is an act of goodwill towards all beings motivated by a feeling of affection. How lovely is that? Number two, compassion, to identify with the suffering of others while wishing them to be free of suffering. Number three, empathetic joy, 
a feeling of joy arising from the happiness of others, whether or not you contributed to it yourself. Number four, equanimity, a neutral and unbiased state of mind that is neither anxious nor dull, not favoring or opposing, a mental serenity that's the foundation for universal compassion. Aren't they beautiful, huh? And scholars believe that the four immeasurables are actually pre-Buddhist, that they were practiced before the Buddha, but the Buddha enjoyed them very much and he gave all the monks and practitioners approval to practice these. And of course, if you just look at, if you just take each one individually, they're found in everywhere in Buddhism. Anyways, so that's the four immeasurables. Donna has a question on this. Please, Donna. Do you want me to read it, Donna, or do you want to ask it? I'll, I'll read it. Is, is there empathetic sadness that is then changed or corrected by compassion? I think empathetic, empathetic sadness really is kind of compassion. You know, I think I, I think that, that that's a, not a bad definition of compassion itself, because compassion is when you really identify with the suffering of others. It's not pity. It's not looking down upon someone. Oh, the poor person. Compassion is 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 identifying with it, whether whether it's a compassion that you say that I've been there before, you know, I, I've had a time that I didn't have a meal, I feel. It's a, there's an equality to compassion, right? Or it's just the notion that you identify with that person as a human being just like you, that kind of equality. But there's, there's a sadness to compassion, right? You're identifying with others' suffering. You're a little, <laughs> you're suffering, you're sad, right? And then you have the wish to, to do something about it to help. Donna? There's also empathetic joy. I mean, yeah, empathetic joy, empathetic sadness. What's Is there a difference? Or when you're sad, is that just compassion? Does that make sense? Where does the well, sad is not is sad is not compassion. Um, but compassion does have an aspect sadness. of sadness. And empathetic means you feel it from others, right? Right, so, you know, we, feel... we wouldn't normally say empathetic, empathetic sadness is a definition of compassion. That's not, we wouldn't use that language, but in a way, it kind of, it kind of does. And empathetic joy is quite the opposite. That's a happiness. It's a joy you feel from feeling joy from others. Do you guys remember that? I think it's a Swedish word for taking joy in the suffering of others. You remember there was a meme on there was a meme on uh, on going around Facebook. Schadenfreude. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Does anybody know people like that? Or have you experienced that? Being happy because maybe your rival or just other people are suffering. <clears throat> ah, let's move on. Thank you, Donna. That was very helpful. You helped me to understand it deeper. Um <clears throat> So there, there are a, a few other uh, ways that we can cultivate uh, goodness. So we have so far we're talking about <clears throat> we're talking about the four expressions of goodness as a really easy and wonderful way to, to to cultivate goodness. The four immeasurables are are one. Those are great to take into your insight meditation practice. Um, 
And then we have loving kindness meditation, which SBT does every Sunday. It's a lovely meditation where we think about others and we share our hearts with others. Um, I won't talk about it here. Just come by on a Sunday and enjoy it with us. You'll see exactly how to practice it. And then we had a thing we talked about yesterday. We talked about training in goodness. And in Buddhism, we have these, these three aspects of engaging Buddhism. We have study, we have practice, and then we have training. Study is pretty clear. You know, it's, uh, it's buying some books on Buddhism, watching some YouTube videos, going to a teaching, uh, simple things like that. But it's also experiential. Study can also be uh, knowledge that you gain through meditation and through experience in your own life, right? Uh, then we have practice. So people usually begin Buddhism through study. They read a couple good books. They see some videos, but then at some point they actually want to put it into practice. Usually we think about practice as things like meditation, mindfulness, contemplation, and so that's there. But when, when a student wants to really take their, their practice seriously, they really want to engage in Buddhism, we begin training. Training is a commitment to the Buddhist path, committing ourselves to practice and behaviors that lead to awakening. Training is, is uh, for the most part, it pertains to holding precepts of awakened behavior, where we're actually training our behavior. And so, uh, and we do this initially by taking refuge in Buddhism. So refuge is a formal commitment to actualizing the Buddhist path and a commitment to your own awakening itself. It's a pledge to uphold the basic tenets of Buddhism and one's precepts of refuge. For SBT, we use the 10 virtuous acts that we talked about yesterday as our precepts. So say you wanted to, to, to uh, go through training, you'd come to a teacher like myself, you'd ask about it. And if I thought that it, it was you were capable of it, I would, I would say, lovely, let me give you your, your first training. And that would be those first 10 precepts. And the idea is you're training in awakened conduct. You're no longer just thinking about Buddhism, practicing when you can. This is a point where you're making a commitment. No, I, I think this stuff is cool. I think that it's going places. I think that it's going to benefit my life. I'm ready to commit to it and actually start real committed practice. So maybe that's another way to think about it. So we have study, practice, and training. Maybe it's study, practice, and committed practice. Because you take a, you take a vow that says, every day I'm going I'm to recite these vows, and every day I'm going to practice them. They are aspirational. No one expects you to be able to hold them all initially. Initially, you learn a lot. Initially, there's a lot of introspection. You start to notice just how much you lie during the day. You know, they're little white lies. Who's going to know? But Or you learn, well, I really do swear a lot, or I have a lot of harsh language. You learn about yourself, and slowly you train yourself, and, you, and you're able to, uh, to move away from that. We're going to offer a refuge at the end of this teaching series if anybody's interested in taking it. And also uh, next week for our uh, online retreat, uh, we have a lot of people that are taking refuge and you could come by and see how the ceremony is and you can learn about the vows. Um, 
lastly, I want to talk about affirmations. So we used to call them prayers, and we had a lot of pushback by our secular community. Prayers, that sounds like Sunday school. We don't want to do it. But nevertheless, we call them affirmations. And they're really affirmations and aspirations. Um, but the idea is uh, uh, affirmations have this amazing uh, uh, power to re rewire and purify our minds. And we've all known this, right? I remember when I was younger, I had a brother that was in business school and he was trying to be a great salesman. And every day in the morning, he'd look in the mirror and say, you're a winner. He'd say it like 50 times in the mirror. And you know, the all these businessmen, they have these great affirmations, right? You're powerful, you're strong. There's a lot of great ones for women's rights, right? Where they say them and sports people have them. Everybody uses them. And guess what? They really do work. In Buddhism, they traditionally call them prayers um, because Buddhism doesn't, doesn't uh, believe in a creator God. We don't pray to a deity. We don't, our affirmations aren't to a deity or, a, or external uh, force. Our affirmations are there to encourage, support ourselves and inspire ourselves, right? And we say them, so we say these every day and they're all about our behavior, uh, awaken conduct, and slowly by saying them every morning, they really start to take hold, and you really start to change your view. I'm convinced that affirmations in the morning are probably one of the greatest tools for changing your perspective. And if you remember yesterday, we talked a little bit about right view, that the goal of Buddhism is right view, that is awakening, having the right understanding of the true nature of yourself in reality. Well, that is perspective, right? So uh, I'm a big proponent of affirmations and you're gonna start doing them if you wish to. Uh, everything is voluntary, but we're gonna, uh, we're gonna help you out with some affirmations. Uh, we, have a, uh, we have a practice guide on our website. You can download it from uh, spt.online.org. Uh, and uh, we want you to do the novice level practice to begin with. You can read them over, and if you like it, you could practice it. If any of them, you, any certain ones you don't like, you could leave it off. It's, it's up to you. You're your own master. You're your own guru. I'm here just to guide you. But I think you'll find that they're, they're very mild and they're quite beautiful. I think you'll like them. Um, I'll also post it on our social media, a link to it. So. And, I, and, and remember, if you want to get something out of this practice, uh, out of this program, you have to practice. So um, starting tomorrow, I'd like to see everybody doing their, uh, these affirmations that we're recommending. Does anybody have any questions? I'm doing good on time today. What do you think? We covered some stuff, cultivating goodness. What do you think of the idea of affirmations? Is that a little spooky to anybody? I find the Thank affirmations you, very helpful. Um, I do them every morning and it just sets my day. It sets my intentions. Um, yeah. It adjusts my attitude. And it's just a really good way to start the day. If I, if I don't do them, I can see a difference um, when I don't do the aspirations, the affirmations. Yeah, I agree. You know what, for me, uh, the instant I open my eyes in the morning, I have a, we can call it a mantra, we can call it an affirmation. I say, beauty, goodness, and joy. 
As soon as my eyes open in the morning, every day I say that. And that's the direction my life moves towards. And it makes a huge difference, I think. It really, I really move in that direction. And the Pearsons? Um, yeah, I was just an observation, really, and maybe just some of your thoughts. You know how you talked about the businessman there looking in the mirror and saying you're powerful and strong? <laughs> you don't think there's, because I've been involved in something similar in passing. We read yesterday about, um, what was it, false? Uh, Activity. Positivity. So it's kind of like, is there a sort of fine line between some affirmations and false positivity, would you say? Boy, there sure is. And, and, the, and the difference is your intention, right? False positivity is a delusion. That's, you know, that's, that's, trading, that's trading a delusion for your life, right? <clears throat> I'm no longer a person has problems. Now I'm a, now I'm a Buddhist teacher and I'm, and I got my beads and my robes, and that's just a delusion. Where, on the other hand, this are quality. We're, we're quite aware that the qualities that we're aspiring to develop, we're cultivating them. It's a practice, right? So I guess ultimately, it depends on your mind, your perspective. Yeah, but we're not fooling anybody. We're not saying we're not waking up in the morning and saying. I'm glorious. I'm an enlightened being. I'm the, <clears throat> we, you know, our affirmations are different than the salesman's affirmations. I'm not asking any of you to point at the mirror and say, you're an enlightened being. You're an enlightened being. That would be weird and wrong. And that would be, that would be false positivity. Our affirmations are, you know, may I be more understanding? May I be this? May I be? It's always kind of a, a future. Uh, direction that we're moving towards. Yeah, you ask I, such good questions. David? It's not really a question, it's just a, a, a realization that I've had. You mentioned about taking joy in the misfortune of other people. Yeah. Uh, I've, been, I've been a bit shocked, to be honest, about the past couple of months, realizing how much I do that. Um, yeah. Even today, um, this afternoon, the, there's a wee business beside us run by a perfectly nice person, and it was uh, it looks as if they've been struggling a wee bit. Uh, and my first feeling was was <laughs> I don't like to say it, but you know was 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 pleasure. Uh, oh, they're in competition with us, you know, but they're not really in competition with us. It's just uh, uh, anyway. I just thought I'd, I'd share that it's become quite a. I think we all have experienced that in some way. I mean, in its strongest scenario, it's when our enemies have something bad happen, and we oh, all yeah. think, "Well, that's normal." But it can it can get to the point where uh, you know family members take joy in the in other family members failing at things. But the good news is, you're in the right place because we're gonna do some practices today that are gonna fix that, including one that we're gonna end up with called the four gifts. And you're right, feelings are contagious, and we're gonna use it to our advantage to benefit others and ourselves all at the same time. There are several in the, yeah, you, the um, <clears throat> skillful living novice level that that's an outline of your prayers and it has recommendations for how much to meditate uh mantras that you can recite 
but it's it's I think it's very clear in there. It has a header and it has all the things for novice level. You level, you just do that whole thing if you wish to. If you don't like one of them, leave it out. Who cares? Right? Okay. I need to move on. Well, Thanks for I, the uh, yeah, please. I I um just to go back to um the idea of uh taking on the suffering of others. Yeah. I I was wondering if taking on the suffering of others is the same as the loving kindness meditation. I know in the Bodhisattva path, they talk about taking on the suffering of others. And I find myself struggling with this idea because I fear that I might take on the negativity that comes along with the suffering. Yeah, that's always, that's always the biggest fear. But we actually weren't talking about that. We were talking about empathizing. We were talking okay. about just feeling the suffering of others. You're talking about a practice of Tonglen, which right. is a tantric practice. And how about if I talk to you later about that? Okay. Yeah, okay. Thank you. So um, I want to move on to our next bit. And, oh, we're up to our... Um, our practice of the four gifts. So um, I keep forgetting you've all read the text. Did everybody do their homework? Did you all read the text? Ah, you're great. I am blessed. So anyways, I wanted to get into the four gifts. Now, it's it's so easy. I mean, it's written so straightforward. It's like there's not really much to talk about unless I just want to reread what you've already studied and what's written in the text. So usually I would give a, a kind of a shortened version of these qualities. And I think I'm going to just do, I'm going to make it even shorter than that. So uh, just briefly, well, let's start with this. So I think the origins of this practice are kind of interesting. So uh, I was in the monastery and I had this wonderful Lama. You remember the guy who used to say, he used to yell out at me wherever he saw me, whether we were in crowded rooms, he would yell out, Tenzin Tarpa, enjoy your life. Tenzin Tarpa, Kenki Mitsu Kipotang. He would yell at it. He'd yell at it across fields at me. All the monks would laugh. But he also shared another beautiful piece of advice. And he said, one of the greatest things that you can offer to the world is your happiness. And this is because when you're happy, you're at your best. When you're happy, you're at your you're smarter, you're, you're more compassionate, you're more patient. And science shows that we're healthier, right? When, when, we're, uh, when we're happy. And so uh, his, his thought was, he would make up his mind in the morning to be happy as best as he could. Of course, we're not saying that he was you know, able to do it, but just he put the best foot forward. And he said, you know, today I'm gonna be, I'm gonna try to be energetic and understanding and, and have a happiness to me and greet people in a pleasant way and share some, some happiness. And, uh, and I started practicing it and I found it to be such a profound practice that I wanted to share it with others. So then I, I started sharing it, but then I thought, you know, there's some other qualities that are kind of similar that go along. You know, happiness is contagious, right? You know, when that, when that happy person bounces into the room, whether or not you're in the mood, we all feel a little better, don't we? We all crack a little bit of a smile. When your child is happy and runs into the room, of course it puts a smile on her face. It's deeply, deeply uh, contagious, right? And as well as our negative qualities. So um, 
But then I started to add other qualities. And I thought, um, uh, you know, our caring, caring for others is also a deeply contagious quality that really lifts people up. And anyways, I, I've had different versions of it. I think I had a, I think I had a, a six gifts, a five gifts. And a, so I settled on the four gifts. And again, these are all qualities that are contagious and benefit ourselves and others. This is a practice of generosity. Now, you can practice it just for yourself. You can think about these four qualities of stability, care, calmness, and happiness, and you can think about them as yourself and try to hold that state for your own benefit. That's fine, and, and I think it would bring some great benefit, but that's not what they were written for. They were written for a practice of generosity. This is a gift that you give to the world, that you give to others. And that's when the practice really takes hold and becomes quite magical, right? And so um, uh, we start with stability. And uh, I personally think stability is a quality that uh, many of us actually want most, but we don't realize it. You know, we, we think of words like happiness and things like that, but actually, so much of it is just stability, right? We wake up in the morning. We want to know we have a have a we'll have a job tomorrow. We want to know that our loved ones will be won't get sick. We want to know that a meteorite isn't going to hit the earth. We want to we want every apple to taste as sweet. You know, we want every movie to be as funny and wonderful. And so, in so many ways, I think we really, we really crave and strive for stability in our lives. You know, uh, for me, as I become more mentally and emotionally stable in my practice, I find that this is an extraordinary quality, and I'm I'm a big fan of this. So, <clears throat> in the text, <clears throat> we list the qualities, and then we list how to go about that, you know? So for all of the qualities, the very first thing that you have to do is understand the importance and benefit of it. You have to get that clarity, crystal clear in your mind. Why do I wanna become stable? This is the reason why. And in the text, we, we describe the benefits and everything else. And that leads to a cultivation uh, to be more stable, right? <clears throat> A, a, a wish to become more stable. And we gain stability through our confidence. That's probably the, the strongest place to have it. And you can do it with a little dialogue to yourself. You know, talk yourself up a little bit. Say, yeah, Tenzin Therpa's a good guy. You're doing good work. Don't let other people get you down. You can, uh, you know, try to create that sense of confidence. Also being mindful and staying present. In the text, I have a big list of things that you can do to become more stable. I'm not going to say them here. The next one is our gift of calmness. Now, these are applied one upon the other, right? So like if I'm walking down the road and I'm getting ready to apply this, I'll first focus on stability. I'll get a feel for it until it feels somewhat stable. And then on top of that, I'm going to, I'm going to put my calmness. And this is my, my spaciousness, my contentment, patience, clarity, gentleness. And we do this 
uh, again, by recognizing the importance of the quality, but by slowing down, focusing on the breath, being mindful, present, and content. Now, the next layer that goes on top of that is our gift of care, our love, compassion, our concern towards others, warmth, kindness. Um, and we do this uh, by seeing others like ourselves, realizing the equality of people, right? Our shared humanity, discovering the joy in helping others and the benefits of caring for others. Um, so, and then lastly, on top of it all, we have our gift of our own happiness, which is probably the greatest gift we can give to the world. Again, when we're happy, we're at our best, we're the most patient, accepting, loving, forgiving, understanding, generous, being smarter, healthier, more productive, and emotionally balanced. Again, we cultivate it through first recognizing the importance of it, um, and, uh, and to, to make up our minds it begins in the morning, right? We make up our minds when we're waking up that, that we're going to have a, a positive, cheerful, energetic, and constructive energy towards the day, right? We make up your minds. Today's going to be a good day, a great day. And we cultivate appreciation for the preciousness of life uh, by accepting the world as it is and not the way we wish it to be. One second, sorry, folks. Um, realizing uh, that emotions can be uh, actively generated, cultivated, and sustained, right? We often in life, we just think that emotions just arise from our, from our engagement with the world, but it's not true. You can actively work at generating, cultivating, and sustaining qualities. Now, does false positivity come in here? But again, we're not convincing ourselves that with these qualities, we're looking at these as qualities that we wish to cultivate and make more a part of ourselves. So then we actively generate, cultivate, and, and, and try to sustain them because we know we're creatures of habit. And, um, and these are, these, we can, we can have a habit of being positive. We can develop that default mindset that's positive, health, uh, cheerful, and energetic. Tapa, there's a question in the in the chat from okay. Ron. How do you view stability in the context of constant change? Are you considering this as the same as equanimity? This is this is a simpler presentation. Equanimity arises from uh, from practice. This I meant is a simpler everyday kind of a practice that people could engage in. There's a funny saying that they say that the only stability is in accepting instability. So the idea is, yes, the external world is just chaos, right? The only real stability is in our own minds. This is the only place that, that, that real stability exists. And we can cultivate that. But the idea is, to be stable, to help the chaotic world, right? As, and you'll find that when you practice stability, it's amazingly magnetizing. When you're stable, people are drawn to that energy because everyone wants stability. People, you know, when we get into chaos, 
it's it's stressful and we feel it we're all looking for that stability so that's how we kind of approach it right you you're the person to be the change you want to see in the world there's all kinds of lovely quotes like that as far as success in this practice uh don't look at this practice and and others as one day in the future i'll understand this practice and i'll get the benefit that's completely wrong this you should see as incremental successes just listening to the instructions today and even if you practice it just a little bit i guarantee you'll get a little bit of a benefit from it so we're looking at just incremental small successes every day in our cultivation of it right we often say at sbt we say two two uh, kind of uh, uh, mantras one is we do the best we can what else can we do right we do the best we can and the other one is that our aim is simple every day to be a little kinder and to be a little smarter right baby steps this is the spt plan we go through things nice and slow but incremental and you should be seeing a benefit in your life from it um and the four gifts can also be seen as awakened behavior when we when we look at these qualities of course great practitioners would have these qualities so um as we cultivate the four gifts we're moving closer and closer to awakened behavior yeah okay so um i wanted to so the way we practice this we have a a four gifts affirmation that we recite each morning or when uh, needed to affirm your practice. I'm gonna put it on social media, but I'll show it to you here now. So, uh, the forget's aspiration is just a nice thing we recite. May my stability nurture maturity, wisdom, and self-control in others. May my calmness soothe the wounds of those waged in life's daily battles. May my care bring hope and inclusion to those feeling vulnerable or marginalized. May my happiness inspire others to seek out their highest potential and greatest good. And I think that probably explains the four gifts better than I just did in a very simple way, right? So we say this in the morning and you can recite it throughout the day when you need to. Myself, I do a short, I do it as a mantra. I just say, stable, calm, caring, happy. And I'll say that every now and then throughout the day as I practice. So we'll make that meme available to everybody. Uh, okay, doing good on time. And then there's also a mantra. Uh, you can use it as a mantra. So like I said, with the mantra of uh, uh, stable, calm, caring, uh, and happy, but you can, you can use the breath with it as well. We taught everybody in our 10-week meditation program the uh, three-breath meditation. Three-breath meditation is the easiest thing in the world. You simply, whenever you want to energize yourself, you want to have a little break in your day, you want to create a fresh start, or you just want to calm yourself down in stressful situations, we do the three-breath meditation. You close your eyes, you center yourself, you focus deeply on the breath the the key to doing this well is is the level of intensity that you focus focus deeply on the breath and we take we take three breaths 
And one of the things that I like to do is I like to hold my breath at the, at the tops and bottoms. So I breathe in, hold my breath a little, breathe out, hold my breath a little, and I'll do three of those. And it kind of resets your, your mind and your attitude. But you can do that three breath meditation with the four gifts mantra. So on, on inhale, you can say stable, uh, stable and calm. On exhale, you can say caring and happy. You want to try it together? So let's try it together. Stable, calm, caring, happy. So let's do an in-breath. Stable, calm. You say it silently. Hold it for a second. On exhale, caring, happy. Let's do another one. Inhale, stable, calm. Exhale, caring, happy. One more. Inhale, stable, calm. Exhale, caring, happy. It's lovely. This is one of my absolute favorites. I like to combine the two. Okay, with that said, I still got a little time. I'd like to do a little exercise that helps you understand better the application of the four gifts. This isn't a meditation. It's just a little visualization. I think you're going to have a lot of fun with it. And... Um, <clears throat> I'd like, um, uh, let's begin by closing your eyes and taking a few breaths to relax. And now turn your focus to the feeling of your own stability. Your strength, maturity, sense of confidence. In the beginning, you might have trouble finding these qualities, but as you practice, they become very easy to create. Be present and let go of any self-doubt. Gently breathe into the feeling to intensify it. And continue until it becomes a felt sensation at the chest. It's very important with this practice that you actually feel these qualities. Now we'll build upon that feeling of stability by adding the next layer of our sense of calmness, your spaciousness and sense of ease. Slow down. Focus on the breath and remain mindful. Gently breathe into the feeling to intensify it. Continue until it becomes a felt sensation at your chest. I think calmness is an easy one to feel. That's a familiar one. Now upon that, we're going to add a layer of our sense of care. Your kindness, love, and care for others. Gently breathe into the feeling to intensify it. And continue until it becomes a felt sensation at the chest. 
I think care is a pretty easy one too, right? We're used to caring for others. Maybe it's just stability. The first one is takes a little practice. And lastly, we'll add a layer of your sense of happiness, your contentment, positivity and joy. Smile and reflect on the preciousness and wonder of life and the opportunities that it allows. Gently breathe into the feeling to intensify it. Continue until it becomes a felt sensation at the chest. Feel that happiness. Now, see if you can feel these four qualities as one encompassing feeling. It's difficult. This takes some practice. You can, in your mind, you can kind of think about the layers, stability, calm, caring, happy. You can kind of feel them and move them around and see if you can merge them all into one feeling. And if you're able to, now I want you to radiate that feeling as if being a shining sun. Oh, it feels so good. Breathe into it further to increase and stabilize the feeling. Continue until it becomes a felt sensation throughout your body. This is how we build the four gifts, layer upon layer. This feeling is then maintained and offered to the world as a great gift of generosity. You can offer it to the people you meet, the cashier at the supermarket, your coworkers and customers, your family and friends. With practice, the four gifts can be generated easily anytime you wish to practice it. You can now open your eyes. This will be the main practice for this week. I think you'll find that this practice has a powerful effect on you and those around you. Uh, you're instructed to recite the four gift affirmation each morning while using the four gift mantra with the three breath meditation as needed to inspire and stabilize your practice throughout the day. And I think usually at this point, people start sharing stories like Catherine, I know has been practicing this for a long time. And it's really remarkable, the effect on others. Wait till you practice it this week. It's remarkable. Yeah. Yeah, these qualities are so contagious and people read them. You remember the story I always tell Catherine about, I would, I would practice with waiters and waitresses. And I, I had a joke, I would say, my friends, I said, I bet I can make the waiter touch me. And I would practice it, I can practice this really intensely. I practice it really intensely. And sure enough, the waiter would put his hand on my shoulder. People feel that connection. They want to, they want to come close to it, right? It, it is so, odd how people yeah. do, do, I mean, I was at the Kairos Center in London and that, that nun walked up to me 
and she said you're different to the others you <coughs> you just find peace joy and love or something like that and i hadn't done anything different but she just picked picked up on it um yeah That's so right. i think you do notice it yeah, and then as we practice it more and more it becomes part of our default mindset. The default mindset is just your mind when you're not working with it. You know, you're, you're just everyday common mind. Well, in Buddhism, we're really trying to work with that because in the right situation and when you're in the mood for it, we can all be great people, right? When we need to be, we can be patient, loving, but that default mindset is kind of normal, just our normal mind. But what we're doing, some of these practices, we ele- we feel ourselves elevating. But what you don't notice is that we're accessing and changing that default mindset. And long-term practice- practitioners are so aware of this that when things aren't going on, I find myself automatically in those states. Like my mind just returns to those states naturally. So you can make qualities like this part of your default mindset that you don't even think about it. Mindfulness is a great example. Everyone works at mindfulness and everybody complains that they can't hold it. But people don't realize their their default mindset is becoming more and more mindful in very little ways. And maybe at a certain point, the practitioner will realize that their mind state is much different than it used to be, that there's a little bit of mindfulness all the time and they're they're probably still practicing trying to get more but you start to notice it more and more incrementally that you're changing that default mindset so a lot of our practices happen almost a little bit on the invisible side like meditation you don't notice at first how non-reactional you become and how patient you become but with that said you should notice a difference in skillful living every week you should notice that somehow you're getting some kind of an improvement from it towards the better. Does anybody have any questions about our four gifts practice? Did you enjoy the exercise? Is that one we should keep in the program? Did you like that? How we build it? Yeah, I wanted to make it really clear. So like walking down the street, if I go out for my walk, that's what I do right away. I start building them. Actually, for me these days, it's so familiar, I just I can just grab that one quality, all four at the same time. I'm familiar with it, right? But that's how you'd go about it. You, you, you do them one by one. Let's get the stability, let's get this, let's get that. And then as you get better at it, you can do it faster and faster until you reach the point where you recognize it as a single awakened quality, you know? And you're able to just use it whenever you want. I often recommend it to people who are shy or people that have some uh, some uh, difficulty communicating because one of the th- what are remarkable things it does while you're practicing this for the benefit of others you're thinking about others, right? When you're practicing, you know, can I give these calls? You're holding this quality for their sake. Guess what you're not doing? Remember, we just talked about how the mind can only think about one thing at a time. While you're thinking about doing this lovely thing for them, you're not thinking about how uncomfortable you are or what to say or being critical of yourself. So anytime I'm uncomfortable, I just boom, hit the four gifts and it always makes me feel really good. And it's, yeah, lovely. (laughs) 
right? Any questions? Are you guys set to practice it this week? Okay. We're running a little long, so I'm going to get to the conclusion. <clears throat> My apologies. I really try to keep these under an hour. Um, so the initial focus of Buddhist practice is on the cultivation of goodness. This is the foundation, which creates a stable foundation for spiritual practice and growth. The first step is to clearly know what is to be cultivated and abandoned. We have the 10 virtuous actions. This week, I want you to focus on those as well. Uh, this week, we'll be focusing on the cultivation of goodness in order to create a stable foundation. I said that already, sorry. Um, so continue to review the various aspects of goodness we learned in lesson one, including the 10 virtuous actions. In this week's practice, we'll be engaged in the, in the practices pertaining to the cultivation of goodness that we learned today, including our morning affirmations, the four, the four expressions of goodness, the four gifts, uh, the cultivation and upholding of the 10 virtuous acts, and keeping up our daily meditation and mindfulness practices. For your new morning affirmations, recite uh, the outline for the daily practice novice level. It's called daily practice novice level from our SBT practice guide, which can be downloaded from sbtonline.org. I'm also going to po post it on a social media. So we have we have the full text of the practice guide, but we also have the individual short text of just the daily practice novice level. That's the one I'm going to post uh, on social media. Please make sure to join our WhatsApp groups, our chat groups, to receive class content and updates and to share your experiences and ask questions. I can't wait to read uh, your comments during this week's practice. It's one of the more fun things for me. Uh, next week in week two of our six week Skillful Living program, we'll be exploring happiness. Oh, from goodness to happiness, it just keeps getting better. Um, Please, everyone remember that I'm a click away to help and support you. If you have any questions about our, our practice, please reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you. You can also ask questions on our, our chat groups. Um, lastly, although our program is free, our group does rely on donations to continue its work. So if you're enjoying the program and you'd like to ensure that it remains available to others, consider making a donation at our uh, website, sptonline.org. Um, and for those of you that can, uh, reoccurring monthly donations or subscriptions, even if it's just a little bit, are very beneficial to us because then we have a we kind of have a, a, a little bit of a revenue that we can count on to keep going. Uh, we don't need much money for SBT besides just feeding me. Uh, I live I live in the, a place here for, for free. Somebody puts me up. Uh, besides feeding me, we, we also have uh, internet bills and things like that and Zoom costs. So uh, we don't have much to pay for, but we do have a little bit. Um, with that said, I thought I wanted to talk about something else. Oh, during the week, uh, our daily meditations are, are um, <clears throat> work around our weeks of practice. 
for example, today we did a beautiful insight meditation on goodness. So I encourage everybody, if you can make it, come to our daily meditations. We're all practicing together this week. So have some fun, do some chatting on our group, share your experiences. Let's all awaken together. Sound cool? Okay, let's end today's teaching with our altruistic affirmation. May all be healthy, may all be prosperous, may all be well. May all be present, free of past regret and future worry. May all abide in constant appreciation, which is a source of great joy and contentment. May all realize their true nature and the true nature of reality, which is awakening. Thanks everybody for coming. Remember that the SBT community was created for one purpose and one purpose only, to support you, the practitioner. Please let us know if there's anything we can do to support you and help you on your path to awakening. Good to see everybody. Thanks for coming. Bye-bye. Thank you, Tapa. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. See ya. Thank you. Bye -bye. Thank you. Anytime. Anytime.